0: Hop into your Bronco, hold on to your pancakes, and take a drive with us to Maine as we return to Haven. This is Troubled, your favorite rewatch podcast dedicated to the sci fi channel show Haven, based on the Stephen King novella The Colorado Kid. I'm your first host in our father son duo podcast, Alex French.
1: And I'm Rich French, the co host, and I'm ready to go with my pencil in my right hand, like Bob Dole. (laughs) No one eats Bob Dole's peanut butter.
0: And uh, you can listen to us wherever you listen, like Apple, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher. And if you want to reach us, we're going to have all that information at the end of the episode and as well as the show notes. So go ahead and look there if you're looking for that information first. Let's just jump into the episode, right? Uh, we want to summarize. We're doing episode four, consumed. Um, or as I like to call it, the Duke The Duke <laughs> Episode starts Audrey, and it starts with Audrey approaching Duke on the dock, right? They kind of just like chat, flirt a little bit. Um, Pretty pointless scene. It's just kind of uh, filler. It's just popcorn, just something to like chew on Uh, gum, I guess is a better analogy. There's really nothing going on here. Like, except Duke uh, speaks Russian, right? It's another chance
1: to show how worldly Duke is. Uh, You know, (laughs) he speaks. It sounds like Russian to me. And uh, it it does start this recurring theme through the show about how Audrey looks nice. And everyone says she looks nice. And she goes, it's like, nice. And I I, I got a little irritated with it after a while. But, uh, you know, it it is a recurring theme of the episode. But, yeah, not Not the strongest scene.
0: uh, Yeah, not the strongest scene, but. Oh, nice little setup for the joke. I didn't mind the joke throughout the episode. I, I, I should say this. I didn't mind the joke. The execution wasn't always perfect. I felt like they could right. have written the lines a little better. Moving on from that, Duke is like, well, why don't you go check out the farmer's market? <laughs> such a kind of a clunky Get transition. A yeah. So we cut to Audrey at the farmer's market where uh, a woman is complaining to a guy that his food's rotten and we look around and everything rots instantaneously, right? Right, and everyone everyone starts yakking all over the place. Right, right. So i just kind of, you know, fig- trying to figure out what's going on. Nathan shows up, and uh, they get a call from Eleanor, right, about the six sailors. Kind of.
1: Yeah, they they, they do, uh, but that, that's that's later down the road uh, a little bit after the farmers market we get our montage and it's just the original montage. So, but that, but uh what they noticed is they noticed that the uh different stands, it wasn't all the stands had rotted. It was only certain stands that it had rotted. So their next move was to go, uh go and check
0: out all the farms. Oh, right, right. The farms. Right. So the first one they go to
1: is the Stewart farm. You know, that's the Scottish farmer with the partner Angus and
0: uh, our first so, LGBTQ plus, uh, personality on the show we haven't Uh, had one yet have we
1: yeah not yet that I've uh, that I've noticed but this and actually they (laughs) done wanted him to wanted him to be them to be a gay couple but it turned into them being business partners anyway
0: how do you know he doesn't say business partner he just says partner right so I I know I should say it's from a 2020 perspective I took that as uh, they're a couple so I don't know maybe in 2010, that would have been different. But I think in 2020, when I hear that word, I'm like, Oh, when he says partner, if you meant business partner, they would have put business partner, I think. Right.
1: Well, and that's what, uh, that's what Sammer said in the commentary, but I think in 2010, yeah, but you, you know, today, no, today my partner, you know, you, know, you can, you can blame Angus for that and I'm not going to do a Scottish accent. I suck.
0: <laughs> not even Connery. Yeah, but
1: <laughs> I'll take socks. For five hundred, that's a bad Connery too. Jeez, yeah, you might want to edit that one. No,
0: up. that's staying in. Um, oh God, great. So then I'll the second one the So the second farmer <laughs> kind of just shows them more rotten stuff, right? Or the oh yeah, then we get the horny chickens, right? Yeah, the, the the horny hens, right? Horny the horny hens.
1: hens. But it, we cannot move on from this scene without talking about uh, really quickly about you know how the, the the farmer is like really digging her some Nathan. Was well, she? He, he, Oh, my God, you don't remember that? She's like, because she's looking at the, the hens in, in, in the pen, and she's like, looks okay, still chasing the hens. And then she
0: looks right at Nathan. Not all of them mind being caught. <laughs> uh, I thought it was one of the best lines of the entire show. I mean. Just every woman in, in Haven wants Nathan. You'd think uh, it's Duke, but Nathan. No, nah, Duke only is with the foreign
1: nationals. but uh, <laughs> So Nathan's got, the, you know, all the local to clean up on. But yeah, because Audrey even gives kind of like a wow look and then like a, a smile. And, uh,
0: right. So the Third Farmer, it's just more of the same rotten food, right? In the tree.
1: Yeah. The, you know, a portion of the apple orchard is, is right. rotted right on the tree. Right. right, right. And so, so, um, kind of the red herring in those were uh, uh, the organic stuff, like organic feed and things. Right. But, you know, and they don't even really follow that thread at all, really, after that point
0: uh okay so then they get the call from eleanor that a bunch of kids right. are sailing got sick from and then they find out it's from like frozen treats right
1: right it's uh the, the the big benji's bar but before that nathan gets a call from the lab and they figure out that uh, what destroyed all the food was hydrochloric acid like stomach acid but then we get to go to uh investigate the uh, big benji's bar
0: right right so then they figure out where they're like where big benji's ice cream is made they go over uh they go into the shop because they keep the cows there that's kind of the draw is the cows are in the back of the sh- you know shop in the backyard store owner got a nice big hug for Nathan uh he calls him Nate,
1: and which shoots my theory I espoused last time that you know Ducan and Nathan must be so close because he calls him Nate. But as we hear a couple people call him Nate in this episode, so that must have been the name he went by in his, his childhood. Uh, one really cool line from this from this scene is uh, regarding regarding the cows being in the shop. Audrey's not really buying, you know, having the cows in the shop, and then Nathan says. How do you not love meeting the cow that made your ice cream possible? I just thought that was cool.
0: Uh, she should not have been like, do you want to meet the cow that's your cheeseburger? I don't know. Not the same day.
1: Give me time to grieve.
0: Uh, okay, so then they go outside, out back. The cows are dying. Uh, the udders are are swollen and basically just burst with uh, black pus. Like, black, rotted. Black ooze. Yeah. It's so a pretty good scene. Pretty good. Uh, it's pretty gross. I liked it. Got a reaction from me.
1: Yeah, and uh, a, a little fake looking, but uh, yeah, you know, yeah. it, the 2010 and on the, on that budget. You know, uh, fun fact: uh, those were real cows. But uh, don't worry, no, no no bovines were were harmed in the, in the episode. They just gave them uh, medication to make them look like they were dead.
0: They decide they kind of what tied all together and figure out. What, all this food supply, all, it all leads to Second Chance Bistro, right? Right, run by the McShaw brothers, Bill and Jeff. All right. Um, so they decide to head over there to Second Chance Bistro, where they run into Duke himself with his mystery box.
1: Yes, yes, the, the famous mystery box. And the way it works is he uh, won't tell you
0: what's in it, but you have to buy it. So That's $500, cool. you buy the box. Pretty typical mystery box. So he sells in the box and we get kind of, this is our little uh, kind of cast of suspects for the mystery of who's rotten. The food is kind of in this kitchen, right? We meet the two brothers. One's uh, Jeff is the hoity toity chef who wants perfection is making pigeons. Bill, Bill's the kind of overshadowed brother holding the restaurant together uh, doing the finances, but Jeff doesn't treat the best. We get uh Katarina, the sous chef. chef who has kind of a weird relationship with Jeff <coughs>
1: I think it's clear that they're, they're, you know, it's romantic on her, her side. I mean, they're, yeah, I, they're hooking up, man. I'm, I am do not care, 2010, 2020, they're hooking up. And uh, but
0: nonetheless, I don't know if they're hooking up. Maybe she, she wants to hook up, but Jeff doesn't I, look. To, he does I, I cannot I
1: respond to that because it gives away too much of the plot. This too early, so we will come back to that.
0: Uh, and then Bill's wife, Meg, Meg, who doesn't Ooh. really like Jeff, and she doesn't like how much he uh they spending and he's gonna fuck up the restaurant and how much stress jeff puts on bill so we get a light nice little uh, melting pot of bad chemistry
1: <laughs> yeah yeah there's uh there's plenty you know plenty of suspects there so at the beginning it, it it goes down their normal path where you know identify one a b c we get there at the end so. right
0: and then so they're you know they're kind of talking to them kind of getting the lay of the land and uh trying to figure out if there's anything to this when they go to inspect where the pigeons are raised right and they kind of talk to katarina a little
1: okay <laughs> well, katarina points some towards meg saying that uh meg's got a problem with jeff and, right right uh, and then the pigeons fall one crashes into the windshield and we get the uh, i've seen this movie before and it doesn't end well Line. Well,
0: because tons of pigeons, right, everywhere. Yeah, but
1: only one hits. Yeah, they, they have to dive into the dive into the vehicle, and that's when one hits the window. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that was Sammer's like favorite line of, of the episode was he didn't even mention it, how Hitchcocky and you know like with the birds,
0: but yeah, we get like a <clears throat> we get a scene where Audrey talks to Meg, right, and it's right is that before the dress? Scene? Yeah, it's not it's not it too is. much. It's basically, just her and say. Then, uh well,
1: it, it establishes you know the dynamic, Bill doesn't like running the restaurant and, and that's why there's resentment between them. Bill, Bill likes woodworking and she wants him to do woodworking, but their parents, it's been in the family for generations and their parents made them prompt, the brothers promised they would keep it. So Jeff runs off gallivanting, learning cooking around the world. When Bill, the guy who doesn't like restaurants, is forced to stay there and run it. And how right. unhappy it makes them and how that upsets Meg.
0: Right. After that discussion we get a scene of Audrey trying on dresses. She's trying to find one for the second chance bistros big opening that night. Meanwhile we get our fucking first sighting of Vincent Dave since the pilot. They show up to watch her try on dresses uh, and make suggestions until they finally find the right one. Vince
1: actually recommends which one that, that ends up being the, the winner of the blue dress at the end. Mm. And uh, before that, uh, we did have Nathan checking just checking into uh, John Robert, the owner of the, the Lobster Pup. And, right. uh, that's the restaurant of the Processed Lobster, just to rule him out as a suspect because he was interested in buying it. John Robert doesn't need to sabotage the brothers. He says Jeff's doing a good job of that himself.
0: They go to the big dinner, the big grand opening at the bistro, kind of keeping, you know, Audrey and Nathan are having a nice dinner with a bunch of other people there, and they're trying to just keeping their eyes out to see how the food's gonna if another incident's gonna happen with the food when uh things start to go wrong oh well duke shows up right
1: duke shows up you know it's the grand opening of his uh what
0: appears to be his two closest friends but things are kind of boiling over as uh
1: well uh, one thing nathan points out to uh to bill that jeff's been in communication with john robert who uh has was interested in buying the restaurant and that's what starts Starts the the argument. Yeah.
0: Explodes. So then the salmon all goes rotten in the middle of like this, you know, they argue and Jeff's trying to present his food. The food goes rotten. Uh, the whole night's a fucking disaster. Everybody's disgusted. Everybody leaves. And afterwards... Jeff and Bill get into a pretty big fight, right?
1: Right. Yeah, the argument goes gets kicked up a notch, and uh, to the point where uh, Jeff threatens to leave and go back to New York uh, to work for his ex.
0: Yeah, and Katarina's like, "Well, you know what about us?" And he's like, well, "Yeah, sorry, honey, <laughs> you'll never make it. You wouldn't make it a day in New York." Then he throws. Then, then he. Throws, yeah, the throws the knife, pocket knife, tosses the the, val- the pocket knife, you know, at the wall <clears throat> and uh, storms out. The, the, the pocket knife
1: of destiny. Uh, the ne- it's the next morning when uh, Audrey meets uh, Nathan down at the
0: docks. Jeff discovers dead. Jeff is dead. Jeff died. They're kind of looking into it. But in the meantime, they talk to Duke about it. Duke uh, is just pretty broken up about it. I'm not really sure what information was he really. Does he give anything valuable?
1: Uh, d- d- down in the in the boat, he gives. You know, like Duke explains. He doesn't really give anything up, up you know, a deck side, but when they get below the deck is when he shares his relationship with the brothers while they're so, so close. Yeah, they
0: were good friends as kids. They used the knife to make PB and J's instead of kill a chicken or whatever it was, or a bird of some kind. It was a duck because a duck. maybe he deserved a second chance. Yeah. So then the second chance bistro, blah, blah, blah. Duke's pretty broken up. Audrey's you know trying to cheer him up out on the dock after their intense conversation because you know him and Nathan things never go nicely between them.
1: Yeah I, I thought Nathan was uh, was polite in this one you know uh-huh. in that interview. He laid off on the usual Nathan hates Duke thing. Uh,
0: this is where we kind of figure out who it is right who's who's rotting the food Correct as Audrey goes to visit Meg finds uh, the ice cream wrapper on the floor that's his stress food for when he's working. So uh, we now know that he's eaten all the food that has gone bad at some point. So they go to the Second Chance Bistro to confront Bill about it, which is a pretty hilarious scene. As She's like, you know, just eat some of your, you know, your lobster and we'll leave.
1: Well, and she gets him to eat the lobster, but then she very aggressively accuses him of killing his brother, which then upsets him so that his trouble activates and... It rots all the lobster. Rots all the lobsters. And yeah. now she says they both ate salmon. So now, now Bill thinks he killed his
0: brother. But that's not what killed him. It was actually, uh, he, we found out earlier in the episode that he is allergic to sesame seeds, right? Yeah. Sesame seed oil. So they need to figure out who killed, uh, Jeff. And, uh, at this point we got one likely suspect, which is, uh, our sous chef, Katerina. They kind of call her in for a meeting and, um, uh how do they do it they kind of you know try to get the truth out of her and then they're threatening with bill eating a sandwich right
1: eating the the, eating the rest of her sandwich that she's still got it inside her and it would go go bad and they nathan's bringing up the you know well you're you're a local you're from here you've heard about the troubles and she's like oh those are just stories and he's like are they just stories and then she she freaks out tells him the truth admits that you know she was mad at him and she just wanted to make him sick. So she put some sesame sesame oil on a pastry and gave it to him. And it's really cool. She she confesses. But then Nathan comes back and goes, oh, those are just stories for all the, the campfire kids. You know, the, the scare kids at the campfire.
0: Right. Because he doesn't want I the know. whole town knowing the truth about the, the troubles. The troubles. Already yeah. walking in his father's footsteps. A good chip off the old chromosome, as they yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get some like, you know, some wrap up. Uh, kind of, I think the important parts is Duke. They have a little funeral for Jeff outside by the bonfire. Bill and Meg and Audrey's there and Duke shows up and they do a reverse mystery box where Bill gives him a mystery box and it turns out to be the deed and you know to the Second Chance Bistro, which will become a very famous location Moving forward with a new name.
1: And uh, part of the deal is, you know, you have to buy the box sight unseen. So he buys the second chance for 20 bucks. Bill gets his chance to, you know, gets his chance to pursue his woodworking dream.
0: Right. And then uh, finally, you know, we go back to the police office and Audrey's dressing up like a local and embracing her haven mainness uh much to the amusement of Nathan
1: she she makes that comment uh about you know there's
0: two havens
1: one right beneath the surface and one right beneath that one And uh, Nathan uh, plays it off. It was all, you know, all small towns are like that. And she's like, no, not really. And (laughs) she said, but she says Nathan lives in both havens, which they'll find useful. I I, I really like that uh, because he's the trouble specialist and uh, he knows all the people. And she's the really good investigator, you know, with the uh, crime solving mind.
0: Yeah, that one was definitely a tagline for the commercials. And the next time, the previously ons, they played that a bunch. One of the more famous lines, I think, from season one. Uh, what would you think of the episode? Let's like kind of you know do some ratings.
1: Ratings? I I probably give it a probably a three, three
0: to three point five. Uh. How how would you compare? Okay, so we've watched four episodes. We watched pilot. We'll kind of push away the pilot because pilots are unique, have their own business to take care of. But of episode two, three, and four, kind of how do you rank them? Because these episodes are tied together in a unique way that the rest of them aren't, which you know we'll keep talking about. But between two, three, and four, kind of how would you rank them? <laughs> Probably three, two, four. Three, two, four. So three. So it's harmony is your favorite, then butterfly, then this.
1: Yes, you know.
0: Though so I really did like the pilot a lot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was just kind of separating that because it's not in the unique situation two, three, and four. As I think this is important to talk about because, as we talked about a bunch, there was an episode switcheroo between episodes two, three, and four. Because was this one episode two originally? Yes. Yes. Okay. So this one was episode two originally. Then episode three, I guess, was episode three, and episode two was episode four, or something like that. The important part is episode two and four switched around.
1: And the switching around caused them you know, to take scenes out of... It, they had to swap scenes and rewrite and reshoot stuff, and it really m- messes with the continuity.
0: Um, I actually liked this episode a lot. There were some issues. Uh, there were some scenes I didn't like. I didn't like, obviously, the dressing room scene in the beginning scene with Audrey and Duke felt pretty out of place. But as we found out in the listening to the commentary, that's because those were shot later or the opening scene was attached from a different episode to this one to fill that space, and then the dressing room scene was inserted later because uh, they took big moments from this episode and put them into episode two.
1: Right. Uh, it, originally, in this, uh, when this was episode two, this was when Chief gave a, you know, Audrey the offer to join. But uh, Right,
0: right. So they had to cut that out and so, put it in two.
1: Yeah, I think it really impacted the, the way the, the episode float itself and uh it was still good i still liked it a lot when i you know when just because i rank them doesn't mean i didn't like it right, right. uh you know usually uh even a bad episode of hey, Haven, I, I like just because of the concept itself and the actors one thing I, I didn't feel like the supporting actors the guest actors were very strong
0: no they weren't like i said i i was we talked a little before we started recording i thought jeff and bill were pretty weak which was hilarious to hear in the commentary that the producers thought that Jeff, the guy who played Jeff was going to get Nathan's, you know, was up for Nathan's role and they really liked him a lot. And I was like, I don't know. You know, I'm not really seeing what uh, you guys are. Yeah. Was it Jeff or Bill? For sure. Jeff.
1: My notes say actor who played Bill auditioned for Nathan.
0: You're wrong. Uh Just kidding. I, we can, we'll, (laughs) if there's a correction to be made, it'll be in the next episode. Uh, All right. I'm fairly certain it was Jeff. I was, uh, I'm almost positive it was Jeff. All right. Father, son conflict. All right. (laughs) Uh, loser's out of the will. (laughs) Well, I bet a penny on it. I think this fuckery with switching the episodes around really fucked things up. I think this was a horrendous mistake. Personally, I think Butterfly is easily the worst episode. And I also think its placement is what weakens it. The serious Nathan episode comes too soon. I think if we had Nathan this episode was episode two. We get a bit of a better balance. We kind of get familiarized with Nathan still. We get a little bit more Duke uh, because he doesn't have much of a role in episode one. Whereas like Nathan has a bit more meat in episode one. So I think that would be good for episode two. And then Butterfly for episode three, the music one can kind of be the music one actually I think fits best as four because that's when we get the Audrey Parker, you know, we get the Lucy clue because right now it feels weird that we get the troubles revealed in episode uh, two, then Lucy gets revealed in episode three, then this one has no connection to any big storyline at all. Which was what's so funny is they put such emphasis on the previously on showing all the like big clues, but then there is no advancement of that part of the story.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's misleading. And their reasons for it, you know, they had their reasons for it. They thought the structure and uh, the characters in this episode, in, in Butterfly, were better for establishing kind of the Haven episode model. And it, they wanted that too, hoping it would make viewers come back for week three. That was their well, their rationale. Wrong.
0: All right. I, I just, I, I'm <laughs> should, with you. They should trust, you know, the guy who's never been hired to write TV over their own judgment, over successful showrunners. They should trust my opinion. I'm just kidding. I think they should have left. Like I said, so just to summarize, this should have been episode two because also I think there's a good chance of denial of the troubles in this moment. Right, Nathan can kind of go along with it and at the end to do his shtick of trying to convince uh, Katarina that the troubles are are real. And, you know, and then instead of being like, well, I don't want the locals to know, you know, when he whispers that to kind of Audrey at the end, he could still be like, oh, you know, I think this is bullshit, right? Like, I was just fucking around with her to get what I wanted and still not really believe and be like, oh, you know, there is an answer. And then in episode three, it kind of sets up that reveal better because him revealing in episode two, like, oh yeah, by the way, the troubles happened in 1983 and I've known about them all along. Like, I remember when I was doubting in the pilot. It totally undermines (laughs) that. And it also continues to build this, like, is she staying? Is she going? Like, what's going on? So then when she kind of agrees to stay on in Butterfly, that's fine. Or move those scenes to episode two. I don't know. I think this reordering stuff was wholly unnecessary and really, I, I think damaged because we looked at the, I looked at the ratings and the ratings for episode two are fine, but then there's a big drop to episode three, which I think is way and episode four, which I think are both better than episode two. Actually the ratings for episode four go up a little bit. So I think it's a case of people seeing episode two, not liking it. Cause I don't think it's a very strong episode. And then episode three, they kind of see is a, is better. And so the ratings go like, you know, hop up a little bit for episode four. Sometimes it's worth noting that, like, yeah, you could say a show tanked, but maybe it's because of the time slots. Uh, I know with Doctor Who, that's a huge issue. They have ratings issues, but it's because BBC's time slotting uh, in England they totally fuck up the situation for Doctor Who. Sorry, that was just a huge rant I had to get off my chest about this reordering that I felt was a mistake.
1: Yeah, I like I said, I I I agree with you. Big take, my big takeaways, you know. Uh, we already had our Audrey and Nathan episode, so now it was time to introduce to the you know the the softer side of Duke, you know the Duke episode. I, I know it may have been cheesy, but but I really liked getting to see the other side of Duke. He's supposed to be a semi scoundrel, I mean. But then the question is, okay, if he's supposed to be a semi scoundrel, is this too soon to show his soft side? You know, should I have waited a little longer before we got to see Duke's soft side, or
0: I guess that's like the question is, uh, and maybe even the music episode could be early because I think. I guess that was the question is like, do we want to show our hand on Duke having a softer side or do we want to show our hand on Nathan having a angrier, harder side first? And they chose to do the Nathan one first, which I actually think is the bigger mistake. Is the, is the I think showing Duke's softer side is the lesser of two evils. Because then I think it also justifies the music episode where he's like, hey, I want to come with because I want to know if the troubles are really, if this is like really coming back, right? Because then we already know, oh, he's got a little bit of a softer side. So it makes sense he's kind of, you know, he does care about this community versus, right. like, when it happened, you're kind of like, what the fuck? This guy, like, doesn't give a shit about anything but himself. Well, yeah, but it, he
1: lived through the, the times of the Troubles, so he knows how fucked up shit gets when when the Troubles, because the Troubles are are dangerous. And uh,
0: Right, but you have no context, but also you have no context of, of what Duke, what his personality is really like, you know, because how he is in episode one is a surface-level thing, right? So I think this episode right. presents you know, who he is more as a person. He's, like, loyal. Even if he's not always morally good, he's loyal, right? There's, like, people like that who, they don't give a shit about being, like, good or bad, but they give a shit about protecting those close to them. And I think that's important, too, that music, the music harmony where he is concerned about the Haven community overall because he's concerned about the Troubles returning versus us seeing nothing about him then. And I know what you just said is the explanation is he did live through it, but I think that's not as strong as what this episode gives us and then that episode these are building blocks that I think they completely built backwards they built a pyramid upside down yeah,
1: no, I no I agree with you the, the- all of the adjusting wasn't necessary. I mean, like I said, I still, I still like, like the episodes. It's just that, uh, they did, they did themselves, they made it much harder on themselves.
0: Yeah. It's a lot of difficulty, a lot of scene switching and all like, I'm sure it wasn't fun for production either. Having to like jump in and reshoot stuff. So I think, yeah, just can't, sound like a broken record. I just can't state enough how I thought that was unnecessary and was a detriment to the overall product. Well,
1: and you know, and then good things, you know, we got a taste of what it must've been like to grow up in Haven for uh, Nathan and Duke, you know, the ice cream shop, you know, the sailing <laughs> club, even though they were uh, puking
0: all over the place.
1: And, uh, well,
0: did. Did Duke get to, like, I don't think Duke got to be part of the sailing club. No, no, I wasn't saying he
1: was part of the (laughs) sailing club, but I mean, just, you know, life was like, you know, for a kid in Haven. You go to your ice cream shop where the cows are right out back. I think that's pretty cool. Audrey thought there must be a zoning issue or something, but, you know, I I thought that, that was neat. You know, yeah. another thing is I remember that Duke owned the restaurant, but for some reason, I didn't think it was till way down the, down the road. I, I didn't realize it was the fourth episode. That makes me wonder, do we not revisit it for a while? And,
0: oh, I think and he that, owns that's it. Why I, yeah, I think he owns it. It just becomes a more prominent like setting and like scene location later. I thought it was around <laughs> this early, but I forgot that he owned it this early. That's the thing. It's like I knew it came in fairly early, the gray goal, but I forgot that he he. I didn't think he acquired ownership of it till like season two or something.
1: You you, you just you just gave a reveal of the name, the gray goal. So
0: oh, we said it in a couple. We said it like episode two. We
1: we probably yeah. I know we've said said it, but yeah. Yeah. Well, when I saw it when I was watching, I would go, oh, there's the great goal. And then second chance bistro. I don't remember <laughs> second chance bistro. You should have killed the duck. Damn it. Yeah. I, I found that, you know, really interesting. I guess my mind played tricks on me. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, we, we got more of the you know, forming of the love triangle here. This is uh-huh. kind of like the the Duke and uh, Audrey legs of, of the triangle.
0: Uh, yeah, the episode where it's feasible that Duke could be a romantic interest. Whereas before, you're like, yeah, hey, he's kind of a jokester, but you know, there's nothing there. And now you're kind of like, oh, yeah, wait a Duke minute. Duke seems
1: like he's warming up to her quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> take her out for some fine dining uh, with some lobster pops.
0: Well, now he's got you know, now he's got his own place. He can take all his dates to to the Grey goal. Yep, that was uh, that a- was neat. There's a bedroom upstairs.
1: Yeah, that'll come into play <laughs> later. Yeah, definitely. I, I was wrong about Duke and calling Nathan Nate as I think I mentioned it during the recap when I probably should have saved it for here. We know there's a relationship there, and even in that, that was there, and in a commentary, uh, Ernst says they will explain it. So it, it, it gets right. explained th- this season because you know. Uh, Benji called him Nate. Bill called him Nate. I think someone else called him Nate. So
0: uh, might just be like his childhood name, right? Yeah, like yeah,
1: that's what I'm thinking.
0: When he was you know a young
1: lad before he was uh, you know Officer Warnos. Nathan is the Haven Stud. The ladies can't get enough of him. We're seeing that. You know? <laughs> First you know we got we got naked meteor showers and, and now we've got horny hens who don't mind being caught.
0: <laughs> Which well, I loved.
1: I thought it was
0: hilarious. Where will Nathan's Love Bronco take us next? You never know. Okay, so when did you figure out like the mystery? It took me most of the time I figured out pretty early I'm like, okay, they want us to think it's this person but it's really this person. This one they actually had me going because they did a nice little clever moment of splitting up who had the trouble and who was, you know, the perpetrator of the crime actually, right? Because the person, you know, Bill had the trouble and it wasn't really a crime. What he was doing it was just inconvenient as fuck. Whereas Katarina is the one who actually committed the crime. So I remember watching him being like, I think it's Bill or Katarina, but I can't figure out like which one it, it, it is. And then it turned out to be both.
1: Yeah, no, I actually like the way they did that because I was starting to think uh, Bill accidentally killed his own brother. but then um, <laughs> But then, you know, I did the, you know, the, the TV thing where like no there's too much time left something else happened so and, and that wasn't typical for them in my 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 memory of Haven wow. episodes you know so it was kind of neat yeah wow just so happened there was a, a crime that happened at you the know, same time as the trouble yeah that, that was With, done pretty well that that was some pretty good writing there I,
0: yeah I thought also um, just from like a writing perspective that the first half of the episode was aside from those two filler scenes we got other than that the actual episodes of were you know that were originally part of the script. It was super fucking tight. It was, we were given, I, I remember I paused, I was like, all right, what do we, you know, of the forty. 40- 44 minutes or whatever this episode is. 42. I was like, yeah, we're probably like, you know, I'm probably like 36 minutes in or 30, 33, 32 minutes in. So I'll pause it, you know. I just wanted to check the timeline. And then it turned out I was only 21 minute or 23 minutes and I was a little over half and I was like, holy shit. Like, they've managed to set up a lot with a bunch of characters because, you know, they give us the two brothers, the, you know, one brother's wife, you know, the sous chef. They give us, you know, we met all these farmers. We met Eleanor. Uh, you know, we got reintroduced to Eleanor, I should say, from the pilot, you know, we got to see vince and dave who am i missing uh, the lobster roll guy we got to meet john yeah, robert, john robert.
1: It's, it's, just, it's just an asshole name john robert yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Just, so we got it was a
1: great if you're named john robert take no offense you know i don't add you to the list of celebrities who are gonna kick my ass so yeah i, but, no uh, there.
0: I thought it was great <laughs> a, a economy of space they they packed in so much information but not too tight that i was like you know oh my god my head's flying it was like at a nice pace and then we got to enjoy the mystery for the second half versus normal episodes, a lot of shows like this will pussyfoot around for like 30 minutes and then spend the last eight minutes solving it and then two minutes, you know, to wrap up. So this one, it did so much heavy lifting in such a fast way, such a quick way in the first half that it gave us a lot of room to breathe in the second half.
1: Yeah, definitely. The pacing was there, There, you know, they, they gave us all of the, uh, you know, potential s- suspects, you know, and there, and there was a good amount of them. John Robert was a potential suspect. Bill, Jeff are, are you know, potential suspects in this. And Meg's a suspect in this. And it uh, turns out Katarina is the killer.
0: Does she give you Hillary it, Swank vibes? Like yeah, when she yeah. had her, like, head, she had her, like, sous chef hat on. I kind of was like... Is that Swank? Like somebody who looked, I didn't think it was actually her in Haven, but like, I was like, oh my God, that's like Hillary Swank.
1: Yeah. Kind of the thin face, you know, the lips, yeah. the lip area. Yeah. I thought that as well. I was disappointed, you know, I was, I was disappointed that we didn't get the continuation more about Lucy and the Colorado kid, at least a nugget or a little something, or, you know, even just to mention it, I don't even recall them mentioning it.
0: No, I don't even think they mentioned it.
1: The opening scene with Duke. She wants to ask him questions about the Colorado Kid. And man, I don't talk to cops. And, you know, all chefs are assholes. I, I, I just uh,
0: is that kind of you know, it, my experience, kind of uh, true. I don't know,
1: but don't you know, know. And, and that's the thing is, I, you know, it's just it's a, it's a tired. You know, I, I, we we get, we got to put up with like thirty shows by Gordon Ramsay as it is. You know, can we get a break from it in Haven? Ernst Ernst and Dunn used to be restaurant owners in Minneapolis and uh, St. Paul. And even they said in the commentary, well, well, uh, you know, Ernst says, you know, know, there are some nice – Nice chefs, but they kind of pretty much usually are assholes. What, what about what about the scene in the uh, in the boutique? I mean, that that wh- 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 was that creepy. Yeah,
0: yeah, not Haven's Finest Hour. Once again, <laughs> these scenes like Duke undressed Audrey because she you know fell in the water, and now like Vince and Dave are helping her shop for a dress, and she's tossing the dress over the walls while they kind of fan themselves.
1: Well, the looks Ew. on their faces. Oh my god. I mean, then at the end, oh, <laughs> you know, Audrey's like you're staring at me again, and then Dave replies, you know, in a, you know, in a to catch a predator way, uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> but in a good way this time.
0: Yeah, nah. now
1: he he kind of gets funny when he goes. That sounded creepy even to me. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think that's how he kind of saves it, but man, it, it's because yeah. Creepy. If he didn't have that line, it'd be like, oh, oh, uh, like <laughs> what the fuck?
1: Well, yeah, and then Dave even Dave's busting uh, Vincent's balls, and he's like, hey, forget about it. You're you're seventy
0: years old, and am like, I mean, uh, that's pretty fair advice. He shouldn't, you know, like yeah, but. Don't get it. But, but,
1: but then Eagle's full-on perv himself. I yeah, mean, because yeah, I mean, the, the, look, the, the look Dave gives, I'm like, oh my god. You, you would be you, oh
0: my god. You I mean, the funny be... thing is about when they were shooting that, she probably wasn't even there. They're probably just looking at, you know, like a blank. They're just looking at, like, the crew, you know, on the other side of the, of the boutique, right? Like, on the other right. side of the camera.
1: Well, and then and then we get in the commentary that and the dresses are thrown over. It's the same two dresses, you know, repeatedly. Yeah. And uh, I didn't even catch that. I, admit, I no. didn't.
0: because you're looking at people's faces. You're not really looking at props like that, unless it's like a highlighted prop, right? You kind of don't care. You're looking at emotions and like body movement and uh, well, where it lands on the screen.
1: Right. And I was a little disappointed in the commentary because they're like, oh, yeah, uh, the guy who plays Vincent was on X-Files. And I'm like, what? I don't remember him on X-Files. You know, and I miss big chunks of the X-Files. And uh, And then they come back like 10 minutes later, like, oh. Just looked it up. It turns out he's not wasn't on X-Files. I'm like, man. man
0: yeah, why don't on. they just cut that out of the commentary?
1: Yeah, cut that out of the commentary.
0: I mean, we cut all the shitty parts out of this. No, I'm just kidding. We'd have to cut the whole thing. There's uh,
1: no editing. <laughs> uh, this is just raw. Raw Raw gold. Raw gold. <laughs> Just that, that scene that scene was creepy. I, I don't I don't think that would fly nowadays. I mean that thing. Uh-huh. I, I I think they would get complaints, you know, people would be
0: tweeting <laughs> about that shit. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely a relic of stuff in movies and TV shows that was cool twenty years ago. That uh, they keep in their back, they kept in their back pocket as like a filler scene. But I think in retrospect, you know, you're kind of like, and and I think honestly, even for 2010, I don't know if this is like cool. I think I think essentially after the new guy made fun of how weird those scenes are. Do you remember what I'm talking about? He goes to the mall with the you know the girl. I can't remember. I can't remember any of the actors' names, but he goes to the mall with her and she's well, trying on clothes. Uh, he's
1: DJ Qualls. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know him. And Eddie but. Griffith is his. Uh...
0: Right, right. Uh, he's at the mall and she's tossing her clothes over, and he's just getting so excessive with like his gum and lollipop. I think she tosses a lollipop at him, and he's like, I don't know, like licking it really hard, and he's pulling the gum out of his mouth like super intensely. I think after that, I can never take one of these scenes seriously again.
1: By the way, The New Guy is an amazing movie. It's uh, very underrated. It's hilarious.
0: Duke, Bill, and Jeff's group as kids were the after they don't c- kill the duck. They make PB&Js. They call themselves second chancers. And they always give each other second chances afterwards. I thought that was a super King thing. Like, super Stephen King. Like, obviously, none of this is directly from anything King wrote. But I felt like a group of kids calling themselves second chancers is straight out of, like, some King story. Oh, oh, yeah. That, sure that that was could, pretty good.
1: That could have been the name of the gang in It. They could have changed <laughs> it to the Second Chancers <laughs> because, yeah, they saved him when they were, uh, you know, had him in his underwear and, you know, they threw the rocks. Yeah, I can't remember. which.
0: That's Dreamcatcher.
1: <laughs> oh, that's Dreamcatcher. See, it's a, 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 any one of them. Sub it for any <laughs> group of King's kids. Yeah, uh, Stand it,
0: By it, Me, It, uh, Dreamcatcher, yeah. whatever. Just, you know, call some all the groups of kids are Second Chancers.
1: Now, the key is if there's ever anyone in the show named Ace, that's the one that always sticks with me. Eh? The only Ace I know is Ace Freely from KISS. Come on. That's...
0: Uh, I worked with an Ace, but that wasn't his birth name. It was his nickname. Yeah, I mean, you
1: just get you just get set up to be called Acehole all the time.
0: So, no pancakes this episode. We go two straight now we've gone without two, but I'll give it a half point. Because we saw a giant sign for maple syrup at the farmer's market at the beginning. So no pancakes, but we got syrup. Hey, Haven's you know, two. Uh, I'll give it a half point. Two and a half out of four so far on well, pancake references.
1: Well, uh, Haven is Lunenburg, Nova Scotia. You would expect maple syrup. And I can't remember exactly when. They had, uh, I can't remember if it was 10 years ago or, or even a little further. There was a maple syrup shortage up in Canada. Actually, uh, organized crime was like stealing like uh, the syrup. I thought that'd be like a really cool show, the Maple Syrup Mafia. You know, they could be all French guys you know, with like uh, mafia nicknames, like like Luke Paul, the Slasher, La Mehu, you know, or some shit like that. Just uh, like all these French lumberjack looking guys, but they were the Maple Syrup Mafia.
0: Maybe that's someone's trouble is they're the ones, maybe they uh, deteriorate uh, syrup around them. Or absorb it or something.
1: Uh, I tell you what will absorb the syrup around them are uh, United States Army pancakes. We call it disappearing syrup because it sinks <laughs> in and you can't taste it. Where does it go? It's a
0: mystery. I think that's pretty much it. Uh mm-hmm. Same director from episode three, Rachel Talele, who I think is a difference maker. I think her episodes are way better. Uh, same writer, Anne Hamilton as Butterfly. She also worked on Dead Zone, so that's how she got this job, I'm assuming. Uh, so yeah, th- that also left me with a mixed bag of like, you know, what's going on? Because I really didn't like Butterfly when she wrote this episode, I liked. And then this director, I've liked both her episodes a lot. So it just brought up the question to me that was like, it's always hard to figure out kind of who to blame or who whose shoulders does the responsibility fall on for something not being as high quality when there's so many you know cooks in the kitchen
1: so how how did you feel about uh, old big benji's uh wrapping his meat hooks around nathan there
0: not pleased i very much (laughs) am like nathan where i don't really want anyone hugging me i don't want anyone touching me or hugging me that's definitely some well i guess they're not in the midwest doesn't say that's a midwest shit right there where everyone wants to fucking hug you but they're more you know northeast you can't imagine what it was like when I got out of the army.
1: So I get out of the army, I go to college, I work as a pharmacy tech, you know, on the weekends, uh, pay the bills. And then I graduate, 9-11 happens, economy goes to crap. So I have to take a job in a health insurance call center, answering complaints all day. It's me and like 70 women. Every Friday, they'd be like, uh, oh, we got to hug it out. And I'm <laughs> like, I'm two years removed from being an army sergeant. And now you want me to hug you. I'm, I'm like, you're going to see me Monday. I'm coming back. <laughs> I need to check. But then I'd make a face and they'd get close and they'd back off. But then they were all they were all upset. You know, so eventually I just had to relent and learn to take a hug when I, even though I didn't want one. Just like when your friends get drunk and you got to take a hug. You really don't want either.
0: It's a skill they don't teach you in school. They're hugging be. 101. Should be, should be a course on it.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. So <laughs> back to this episode, we, do you ever eat a fucking lobster pup?
0: Uh, I'm not into seafood in general. I'm uh, not into lobster too fishy for me. So probably not. I right. probably wouldn't eat. I don't even eat good lobster, let alone shitty lobster. I mean, I
1: did find it funny uh, when uh, John Robert, after he was sick, he's like, I'll never eat fish again. <laughs> and then Nathan's like, uh, what about lobster pup? he's like, why would I want to eat that? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I grew up eating seafood and loving it, growing up on on Lake Michigan. But uh, turned eighteen and lost my taste for it. Makes me sick.
0: Uh, let's answer. We had a couple questions from the last couple of episodes. I'll start with our first question, which is actually a trick question. Uh, we were talking about the kid from Butterfly who, you know, had the trouble, Bobby uh, Mueller Mueller. I don't know if we figured it out. Mueller. We asked you what king property he's from. Mueller. Uh, none there is no Bobby Mueller but I did find a Sally Mueller in it in uh the uh what do they call the losers Club yeah I think that's it I think that's what they're called the losers club you know <laughs> listen to the next episode to see if we figure out what the group's <laughs> called in it yeah. that's your just next keep, question just
1: keep listening so that we can correct mistakes every time so that one's
0: a that's a true or false where they called the losers club in it uh yeah. tune in uh send in your answers at uh, our email
1: so uh, I looked for Bobby Mueller too, and I could, not find, I could not find him.
0: But there is a Sally Mueller. Maybe, maybe Bobby Mueller, because she was in school with all the kids in 1956 in Derry. Maybe this is uh, Sally Mueller's grandson. You never know. And then our second question we asked the audience was uh, one you pitched, at him. if you want to kind of rephrase the question and give us our answer.
1: So, yeah, the question was Stephen King was born Stephen King, but his father was not born with the last name King. Now, the question is, what was Stephen King's father's original last name? And the answer to that is Pollock. Stephen King's father was Pollock. And the thing is, back in the, the way it's spelled, some people might mispronounce it as Pollock. So my guess would be he didn't want to have a last name that could be called Polak because uh, people nowadays probably aren't familiar with it. But growing up in the '70s and '80s in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is heavily Polish and German, Polak was a derogatory term for for Polish immigrants and people, you know, Polish people, people of Polish descent in in America. So it was derogatory. It came with the stereotype that all oh, Polish people are stupid, you know, and they you know dumb Polak jokes. I grew up with. And personally, I thought thought they were hilarious you know i'm half german half polish so i didn't take take offense or anything of like that they're just fun stupid jokes but some people don't find it and funny just an example one of the jokes i used to kids would tease up the polish kids with huh? how do you get a one-armed polack out of a tree you wave at them because they're too dumb they'll 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 wave back and drop out of the tree just something that i I thought was kind of interesting that he changed his last name even though because uh when you think of the painter jackson pollock we know it's pronounced pollock Probably pronounced Pollock for King's dad, but didn't want people calling him a Pollock.
0: Yeah, I got one more for you, uh, left over from last week. I'll save the answer for next episode, just like you did with this one. We'll see if you know it. Uh, So Stephen King, in what, 99, gets hit by a car? Or is it, yeah, yeah, so he's in the hospital for a long time. Yeah. So the person who also hit him got murdered, by the way, or well, or did they go missing? Something like that. But that's not the question. He's in the hospital. He's feeling down. He's feeling terrible. It feels like shit. And his son, Joe, brings, Joe Hill, brings uh, a movie for his dad to watch to kind of, you know, just to entertain him because there's nothing to do in the hospital. Do you know? And the movie apparently scared the shit out of Stephen King. He said it was one of the scariest movies he's ever seen while he was in there in the hospital. Do you know which movie it was? I do not know. I
1: mean, I I would have guesses, but uh, I do not know off the top of my. I don't recall that.
0: Okay, I, so uh, let's let's get two. Let's get two guesses. The ring. Oh, I'm not going to confirm. <laughs> okay. well, that's uh, why you give your two guesses, and the next week I'll tell you if you were right. The ring's your first option.
1: I'm, I'm just thinking about which movie scared the shit out of me, and the ring scared the hell out of me. And uh, I, I usually don't get scared in, move, in movies. I mean, I get creeped out. Carpenter uh, has ways of creeping me out. I mean, some of the images in Into the Mouth of Madness is uh, g- gave me nightmares as an adult. So yeah, was, I, you, dead, you, remember he, the, you, you remember the first time you saw it?
0: Yeah, I remember. Uh, so he was hit in '99, by the way. So that's when he went to the hospital. Was summer '99? Yeah. See, I think I think I'm I think I'm wrong. But... All right. So let's get some let's get some options in here. If you don't if you want to rescind the ring, let's get two good choices. The the grudge
1: was a little scary with the. Ugh, that. Those are my those are my two guesses. I know they're not right, but those are my two guesses. I can't. I okay. can't think of anything. It's killing me now. I I got to wait a week to find out.
0: <laughs> you want to find out the answer? Go ahead and email us. That'll be it for episode four. We'll return to the town beneath the town in one week. And if uh, the quickest way to reach us is by email, you can contact us at troubled rewatchpod at gmail.com. Once again, you can find us on a plethora of services where you listen to your podcasts like Apple, Google Podcasts, Podbean, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. We'll also have the podcast up on YouTube if that's all that is available to you. Uh, sorry without video. And we'd certainly appreciate a review or a like and a subscribe, depending on wherever you listen to your podcast. If you want the podcast straight from the source, you can visit us at troubledpodcast.com. We'll have all our episodes, news, and a like all in one place for you. And if you want to follow us on Twitter for updates, you can follow us at Haven's Troubled. That's a capital H and a capital T. And last but not least, if you like what you've been doing, if you like what we've been doing so far, it's cool if you like what you've been doing so far too. We're on Patreon. Just search for troubled or return to Haven or look in the show notes and we're doing exclusive episodes there called Troubled with Extra Syrup. The first episode is focused coverage on the Colorado Kid, the novella that inspired Haven. Uh, There's only one tier for monthly patrons at $5. There may be some merch in the future, but we're not totally certain on that. If you have anything else you wanna see for patron tier, Lay it on us. We're always excited for listener feedback, even if it's just to tell us how to stop sucking.
1: <laughs> right, definitely. I please. You got ideas for things you want us to cover? Questions? You know what I mean, questions about hey, heck, if you got questions about uh, the goofy stories I tell about Alex's childhood, or you know that sort of thing, go ahead. I'll answer them. He might not <laughs> like it, but I'll answer them.
0: Yeah, we'll see who controls the email for the <laughs> for the podcast. I want to thank everyone for listening. We hope that you'll be back next
1: week for another Return to Haven. Everyone, just uh, thanks again. Be safe and never let your troubles get you down.